When a seed is planted in the soil and certain conditions are met, the right moisture, the right temperature, even the right amount of sunlight, that seed will start to what's called imbibe water, basically absorb some moisture, and that triggers a radical to be formed. Now what a radical is, is the initial seed root that goes down and penetrates into the soil. It produces micro roots that start absorbing more moisture. When that happens, that causes the formation of the epicotyl. Now that's the initial stem that comes out of the seed. That goes up and breaks through the soil, either as a shoot that unfurls to absorb sunlight, or produces the first leaves that take in sunlight. That brings in the energy that's needed for more roots to form. More roots form, more nutrients are absorbed, more water is absorbed. That sends more uh, things back up the plant so we can have photosynthesis, we can have respiration, more sugars and energy are produced that are sent down to nourish the plant. Some are stored in the roots. The plant grows, the plant flourishes, it produces fruit, and it all starts with the roots. Good morning. <clears throat> Welcome to church today. Um, just a disclaimer here before we start. Um, I didn't know till Friday that I was going to be preaching next to an open uh, baptistry. So um, <clears throat> I'm going to stay pretty locked in the podium, but uh, this side of the congregation, if I start to shift this way, feel free to yell at me, and uh, I don't want to become the next like YouTube pastor sensation who fell in the baptistry uh, in the middle of the sermon. We got it. It's on camera. We'll be good. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> my parents' house, uh, at my parents' house in, in Council Bluffs, Iowa, when we were growing up, there were five trees on their property, and we lived in the suburbs, so it wasn't like we kind of lived out on the edge of town where there was like forestry areas or anything like that. So we had five trees on our property, and we were like one of the only houses in the neighborhood that had that many trees. And uh, my parents, because there were five of us boys, decided that they would give um, each each child one of the trees. They would take ownership of that tree, and that would be theirs. And, and we thought that was the coolest thing as kids, because we got, we got our own tree. Like, what kid can say, hey, I have my own tree? Um, but really, I, I come to find out, it was probably a, a clever ploy for my parents, because then we would go out and we'd pick up after our tree when things would fall out of it. And, and uh, it, my oldest two brothers, Kyle and Kirk, they both had trees that, that were in our backyard. And uh, they probably had the, the best and the worst trees because those trees, they would, uh, first off, they would produce uh, like the sourest green apples you've ever had, and they were awesome. Uh, and they, uh, we, would, we would go out and we would pick those up and we would bring them in as a family. We'd make applesauce together uh, in the fall. It was really kind of fun. Uh, but then my brothers, they would have to go back out and they'd have to pick up all of the dead, rotted, nasty apples that were attracting hornets and wasps and all that kind of stuff. And thankfully, I didn't have those trees uh, as one of mine. And then the front yard, we had two matching cherry trees. And those trees belonged to my, the, the, the twin brothers that are just in front of me. Uh, and those, those cherries also were kind of sour. Uh, but I remember we would go out and we'd be ready to pick those things way before they were ready. My parents have to tell us, no, don't touch those. Those aren't ready yet. Um, and so... Um, those were, those, uh, those were their trees, and, and again, after a while, and when they would become overripe and the cherries would fall off, my brothers, they would have to go out and pick those up, and uh, I remember those also dropping sticks and, and stuff that they would always have to go out and, and clean up, and uh, so that, that, that was the, the twins' trees, and then my tree was in the very front yard. My tree was the most boring one out of all of them. It was not a fruit tree. I'm not even really sure what type of tree it was. 
Uh, but the thing that I did remember about it, it was planted when I was probably about four or so. And the thing I remember about it, it was like really green, like very lime green. The leaves were, they, it would have leaves before any other tree in the neighborhood. And I just thought that was, that was pretty cool. And, and that tree was planted out in the very front, like by the street. And uh, our neighbors that lived just next to us, they had this huge, probably like 100-year-old tree in their front yard. And I just would sit there sometimes and I think, man, my tree is going to be that size one day. And, uh, and, and over as like the first few years started, uh, started to go by and you could see the, the tree really just take hold and it started to, to, to grow up in size and everything. Um, that summer, a disease blew through Council Bluffs and my tree died probably when I was about seven. And I was bummed. And everybody else's tree was kicking along just fine. And my tree in the very front yard was dead. And so my dad felt bad. He, he said, okay, well, let's go to uh, Sherbondi's. That was our local uh, garden store. So let's go there. We'll pick out a, a brand new tree. We'll make sure it's just the same as you had before. And we'll replant it kind of next to where the other one was. I said, okay. So we went, we picked one out. It was cool. It wasn't the same. Uh, and they planted it next to that. And um, it, it was there the rest of the year. We had to stake it in there so it would stay upright and all that kind of stuff. And, and then uh, the next year, as uh, <clears throat> the snow had melted and, and leaves on that tree started to come through, I noticed something. See, we had cut down the other tree, but we had left the stump, the little stump there. And I noticed that out of that little stump, there was this green shoot coming out of it. And I ran, I got my dad, and I said, Dad, look at this. And my dad said, well, that's... That's interesting. Well, well, we'll see what happens. And over the course of the next probably three or four years, that tree that we thought was dead grew back. And not only did it grow back, it morphed with the tree that we planted it with. It like kind of got wrapped around each other. And now when you go visit my parents' house, there is one tree in the front yard. Two trees were planted there, but there's one tree. And come to find out, it's because the roots of the tree that used the, the first tree, uh, they, they didn't die. The tree on the, above the soil died. The, the, the roots stayed just fine. Uh, and, and as we're finding out in this series, it really is important where your roots are planted. And th- that, that disease wiped out the top part of that tree, and, and, and it, struggled, it had its struggles. But the roots, because they were able to uh, secure themselves deep into the soil, the roots were strong and they were fine. Deep roots equal strong trees. And we've been talking about that throughout this series. We've been reading this in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted in streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither, Whatever they do prospers. We also read this in Colossians chapter 2. So then, just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Deep roots equal strong trees. And, and this is a good metaphor for us as Christ followers. We're talking about just the foundations of being a Christ follower and, and, and how that all starts and where it, where it grows on from. And, and the roots very much so are the foundation of the plant. Things can come and batter the, the, the top part of, of, of the tree, the top part of a structure that's built on a foundation. 
And sometimes it, it completely can wipe out the structure. Uh, I, I lived in Oklahoma for long enough to see a bunch of, of uh, flat slabs that uh, before the tornado came through, there was something there, and now there's nothing there. But the foundation is still there, and it's still strong, and they could actually go back and rebuild if they chose to. And uh, in, in the same way that, that my tree in the front yard, it, it suffered that disease and died, uh, the roots, the foundation of the plant were still stable, and it was able to have new life again. And, and that's what we're finding with us in our spiritual life. If we are willing to um, uh, repent, as we talked about in week one, and turn away from our sin, we're setting our roots down into Jesus. And uh, when we set our roots down into Jesus, that's the start of our foundation. That's the beginning of our foundation. And the deeper we allow our roots to grow into Jesus, uh, the more secure that we can become. And then last week, uh, Pastor Chip shared with us that uh, the next step, the next phase in that is uh, to realize the need for, his, for the Holy Spirit to live within you. This is the helper that, that Jesus told his disciples he was going away so that the helper could come. And this, is, this, this, uh, this spirit comes and lives within us, and it helps us uh, to, to understand things and, and to gain knowledge and new insights about the Lord. And it convicts us when we start to veer off course. Uh, and the spirit is necessary and, and is, a, is an equally important part of our foundation as a Christ follower. Uh, and so today, uh, we're going to continue on with uh, what would be the next part of our, our spiritual foundation as a Christ follower. Uh, this, is, uh, this is an important step uh, because, as Pastor Chip shared with us as well, um, so often there are some who, uh, who, who just move for that, that prayer. If I can just get you saved, then, then, then that will be good. And, and people, when they become saved, sometimes they get like, well, I've, I've arrived, I got there, and I'm, and I'm done. But the thing is, there's, there's more to it. There's, there's, another, there's another step. There's a growing, and, and the word of the day here is going to be maturity. And uh, when, we talk about, when we talk about our spiritual lives, it's important that we, don't, that we don't get stagnant, that we don't just cross that line of, okay, well, I'm, I'm saved, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, there's more to it than that. There's a, there's a, a life to be grown into. There's a, a, a life with the Spirit living in us that we need to explore and to grow in and allow, allow things to be changed. Plants uh, so often have to, be, have to be pruned in order to grow, and the Spirit helps us do that. And, and there are certain things that we're going to find out today that help us to do that as well. Uh, it was about nine and a half months ago now, Gabby and I brought Trent Theodore Barons home from the hospital. And I say nine and a half months, and that does not sound at all like a very long amount of time. Uh, however, a lot has happened in that nine and a half months, and I have kind of uh, had a front row seat uh, uh, to it. I have uh, kind of seen him smile for the first time, and I, and I saw him um, you know, start to realize that he could, he could grab things. Your glasses are never safe. Jewelry and necklaces are never safe. He wants them. He wants to hold on to them. He wants to chew on them. Uh, we're, we're, we're learning how to crawl now, and so we're, we're everywhere. We're into everything, and, and we're kind of seeing this. And, and when we came home from the hospital, he fit right here, and he stayed right there. Uh, and, and it's not—he's only—I mean, it's, we're talking less than a year here. Now, all of a sudden, we're all, we've, we've doubled in size, and we're mobile, and we're starting to say things. 
starting to say mama and dada and baba and all kinds of things. And he, he, sometimes he, you know, he has his own language. He'll just go on and on and on and on. And this morning even, we woke up and we have that monitor that's by his crib and the one that's in our room. And, and uh, we woke up uh, at four in the morning to hear him baba, 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 baba. And, and he was just in there having a conversation with himself. And it's just been so neat to see him kind of just grow in his own abilities. He's grown in his physical size, but he also he's grown in his abilities. He's learned things. Um, and as awesome as it's been to watch him learn these things and to, to discover these things, I, I thought to myself, um, it's a miracle, but you know, it'd be weird if he didn't. If at nine and a half months, uh, if he was still like the day we brought him home from the hospital, if he just still just laid there and stared at the ceiling and just did nothing else uh, and, and just drank a bottle and, and laid there. We didn't make much communication, didn't smile, didn't make eye contact and follow you around the room. If, if he just laid there, it, it, would be, um, it, it wouldn't be right. There would be something off with that. And uh, we're the same way. When, uh, to use this, and I'm, and I'm shifting illustrations on you here, and this is like the main thing they tell you not to do uh, in public speaking class, but it, uh, we're shifting from, from trees to people here. We, when we accept Jesus into our life, and we, we've, we've put our, like we talked about earlier, we put our roots down into Jesus, and, and we've invited the Spirit to live within us, we are still at an infant stage in our spiritual life and our walk with God. But the thing is, just like we didn't expect Trent to stay an infant the way we brought him home from the hospital, we're not expected to stay spiritual infants as well. Um, this is interesting. If a person were to never, never graduate from, from milk to solid food, by the time they turned 18, this is their world that they would live in. They would have, as an 18-year-old, they would have the mental capacity of a five-year-old. They would have underdeveloped digestive systems. They would not have strong enough legs to support their weight. They would have poor and underdeveloped eyesight. And they would have a heart that does not beat properly for someone their age or size. We're meant to grow. We're meant to develop. We're not meant to stay in one place. We're meant to continue to, uh, to do things, to, to understand uh, our spiritual lives, to understand what God's doing in our life, to, to learn about the Spirit, to grow in the Spirit. And um, this is Peter's final words in, in 2 Peter chapter, two verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter in verse 18 was actually just following up... Um, with his audience, and he was, he was telling them, hey, guess what? We, we just talked to you guys about a second coming. Jesus is going to come back someday. And, and you have the assurance that if, if he has forgiven you, you're going to go live with him in heaven, and, and this earth is going to be destroyed, and there's going to be a new heaven, and there's going to be a new earth, and, and you're going to be a part of that. Uh, he goes, but I, I don't want you guys to just sit in that. I don't want you guys just just stay there and just wait and hope. Hope is a good thing, and, and, and many times we are, we are called to wait upon the Lord and wait for him to move in our life. But Peter doesn't want his listeners to just wait for that day, to just sit around and do nothing and wait for, wait for Jesus to come back again. Because 
Peter knows that if we, uh, we grow in the Spirit, if, we, if we, we grow closer to God, if we, if we grow in that grace and that knowledge and that understanding of Him, then all of a sudden that thing that we're waiting for, we get a little bit of that here. We get, we get it's, that, it's that now but not yet kingdom that we've sometimes talked about, that the fact that when we, when we live in step with God and we live in step with the Spirit and we're growing, all of a sudden just, we get a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. And we can bring a little bit of heaven to earth when we grow and when we understand and we, when we keep moving forward. And Peter wants that for his listeners. And as much as Gabby and I uh, help Trent do things and experience things and, and do things, Trent ultimately has to learn and do them himself. Uh, you've heard the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Um, we can put puffs out on Trent's tray, um, but he's got to pick them up. He's got to initially put them in his mouth, and he's got to eat them. Or, or we can, you know, put the spoon up there, but Trent is ultimately going to have to take the bite and to, to, to chew it and to swallow it, and he's going to have to learn how to do all that. Uh, and, and in the same way, uh, we have the helper. We have the spirit, the, the, the spirit that's come, that's, that's living inside of us. Um, the spirit does a lot of things and a lot of great things. Like I said earlier, it, he, he gives us knowledge and understanding that maybe we didn't have before when we we're reading scripture. And, and uh, he, can, he can help us see things and be aware of things. He can help convict us when we go off stray. Uh, but ultimately, there are things that we are going to have to do uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a lot uh, about John Wesley here the rest of this sermon. John Wesley is one of our uh, theological pillars of our uh, denomination and our theology. And John Wesley says that we live in a cooperation with the Spirit. Meaning the Spirit does things for us and does good things and positive things for us, but also there are things that we then have to do. Ultimately, there comes a time when a baby has to learn to feed itself. And there, there is a moment spiritually with us where we come to the point where we have to learn how to feed ourselves. We can come to church and we can sit in pews and we can listen to somebody preach. And we can go to a small group or a Sunday school class and we can sit and we can listen to that. But ultimately, if we don't take ownership of our own spiritual life, we're going to stay that infant. We're going to stay spiritually undeveloped. Uh, we're going to be... We're going to be uh, I don't know, basically, if we didn't grow in the Spirit, we'd just become... A lump on a log. In fact, the writer of Hebrews experiences this, this same thing in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. The writer says this, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the, teaching, with the teachings of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. One of the benefits of growing and, 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 and learning and graduating from spiritual milk to spiritual solid food um, is our ability, first off, to take that and to pass that on to other people. We can then help them and, and they can grow and they can learn and they can move on to solid food. But also it helps us to develop by constant use, and I, that's, a, that's a key word in that passage, by constant use, we can learn to know the difference between good and evil. 
And we have a world right now, that we live in a world right now that is, I mean, that's, that's the hot button. What is good? What is evil? And we have the answers to those things. And in order to, in order to be able to, to have those conversations with the world that wants to hear it, we have to grow. We have to move on from spiritual milk to spiritual solid food, and that's on us. The Spirit helps us, the Spirit guides us, the Spirit leads us, but we ultimately have to put in the time to do the practices and the things it takes to grow in the Spirit. Now, uh, this morning, um, you might ask the question, okay, well, what are those things? How do we grow in the Spirit? And like I said, we're going to talk a lot about John Wesley this morning. And, and John Wesley, uh, he lived in the 1700s in England. Um, but uh, the thing I like about John Wesley versus some of our other early uh, church historians, fathers, and theologians is John Wesley was a practicing pastor. Uh, and not only, he traveled everywhere. He, uh, he would preach anywhere. He, was, he had the idea that, you know, farmers couldn't come in and go to church. So he would go out and preach in the fields to farmers on the back of a horse. And uh, he, he, did, he, he, was, he came up with just a lot of, of things to help take the, uh, the message of the gospel to people all over. And so John Wesley built up his, his theology, the way he thinks about things, the way he works through things, in the life of ministry. And so these are, these are things that he had, he had some knowledge of it before he started, but he'd go out and then his actions would then confirm and grow his own theology himself. And so John Wesley developed uh, a, a list of practices uh, that he calls the means of grace. Uh, and, and we're going to look at those briefly here just in, in just a moment. But the means of grace for John Wesley, uh, these are things that when we do them, they do not equal or do, they do not save us on their own merit. But when we participate in these means of grace, it gives the Holy Spirit avenues into our hearts and our lives that he can work with, that he can use to shape us and mold us into the likeness of Jesus. And so John Wesley, he organized these into three different sections or lists, uh, and we're going to look at those each this morning. The first list was called the instituted means of grace. Uh, And these were practices um, that... Jesus encouraged his disciples to do and to model for each one of us. And uh, these practices include prayer, searching the scriptures, communion or the Lord's Supper, inviting, uh, or excuse me, fasting, and then small groups. These are all, these are all things uh, that uh, just if you, if you participate in the life here at Napnaz, we, we encourage and we, we do these things uh, together, we we have prayer meetings together. We have um, we have opportunities in in the front of our sanctuary every Sunday for you to come forward and to, and to write out a prayer to God and to drop it in the basket. Uh, these are things um, uh, when we have small groups and we have Bible studies. Obviously, uh, and, and and I like I like how John Wesley words. It doesn't say just reading the Bible uh, because reading the Bible. Um, when we just do that at face value, we miss something. Uh, when, when we talk about reading the Bible with John Wesley, he's talking about transformation, reading for transformation over reading for information. Especially as a, as a, uh, as a person who went through school to become a pastor, I had to take theology classes. I had, I had to uh, study for, and, and, and write papers over a lot of, of information and a lot of knowledge. It's important for me to hear John Wesley say that because sometimes for me, 
I can read the Bible just purely for information, and I miss so much of the rich, uh, the rich things that the Bible has to offer. We talk about the Bible being living and active, and when you just read it for information, it's purely black and white. It's like a history book, and that's not exactly what the Bible was written and made for. And so I like how he talks about searching the scriptures. And, and here in the life of our church, we, uh, we, we obviously we meet together and we, we search the scriptures together on a Sunday, but we also have small groups that meet out. And, the, and, and leading into to that, small groups, um, we, we, have, we have launched these small groups this, uh, this season in our church, and they're going well. And, and we've, we keep hearing um, just positive reports come back from those. And uh, in, in just a moment, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get to it just yet, but uh, John Wesley has a lot to say about small groups. He actually was kind of the, the father of the modern-day small group. He encouraged them. Uh, when he started the, the, the Methodist church, he encouraged them to, to constantly, uh, weekly, multiple times a week, meet together in small groups to pray, to hold each other accountable, to do things. And so uh, small groups are one of the ways also that the Holy Spirit can use and uh, use to shape and mold us into the likeness of Jesus, um, and then uh, fasting. Fasting is something that we do um, to to show that we are relying upon God. We fast from something that we tend to be relying on in our day to day activity, and we focus that uh, we focus that time and that attention and that um, that that uh, just dependency back on on God, and we do that. And then um, communion, obviously. Um, that's one of the more easier ones to understand as far as how it shapes and it molds us because every time we take communion and we come together to the Lord's table, um, we are participating uh, in the event that gives us our identity as Christians. The fact that Jesus died for our sins and that he came back to life so that when we receive those, those communion elements, we are actually participating in the life and the death of Jesus. And so uh, those, those are all things that, that John Wesley felt like um, we do those things because those are things that Jesus encouraged his followers to do. And then the next list uh, that he has is called the prudential means of grace. And these, these are things that John Wesley just felt like, you know, this makes sense. As followers of Jesus, these things make sense for us to do. Uh, and those, those things include being obedient to Christ, prayer meetings, visiting the sick, doing good to all people, and reading Christian classics. And so, uh, again, we've already talked about the fact getting together and praying together um, is always, is always an a, a activity that um, uh, when we get together and, and we lift things up together, uh, not, that, not that God hears two people over, over just one person in a, in a prayer, but when we unify our, our, our hearts together and we come to God together, uh, there's just something special about that. And John Wesley felt that too. Uh, and then... Um, uh, visiting the sick, um, that, is, uh, that is one of the things, obviously, uh, Jesus did model that for us. Jesus spent a lot of his time with the sick. And really, here's the thing. When you love your neighbor and they're in need, what should you do? You should go and take care of your neighbor. Now, we're, not doc we're all not doctors and we're all not nurses, uh, but we're called to love our neighbor and we're called to go and to visit them in their time of need and including when they're sick. And then doing good to all people. John Wesley uh, had, a, had a rule. He had three of them, but one of his rules was to do no harm. And the opposite of that is to do good to all. And so when he would go throughout his day, he would constantly ask himself, uh, is this doing good to someone or is this doing harm to someone? 
uh, and that would kind of keep him, keep his life kind of in order. <clears throat> and, and John, he was just like you and me. There were moments where he failed, and there were moments where he messed up. Uh, but this, this was something that he used to just kind of constantly keep him uh, thinking about what he was doing, thinking about how this fit into his life and his faith. Um, and then uh, reading Christian classics, um, there's a lot of, of great material that's available out there to help us further kind of grow and understand. Um, there, there, are, uh, there are works, uh, some of them uh, from, from authors long ago and some of them from modern day authors. But there are things that we can read there, and, and, and there are, are studies that we can go through uh, that, that again, when we talk about Scripture being living and active, those are things that uh, kind of make us more aware of things behind the scenes, uh, again, that we, that we read in Scripture. And so it's encouraging just to, to read and, and to ask yourself, what am I reading outside of, outside of Scripture right now? What am I reading? What am I into? What am I involved in? Um, if, uh, if you are a follower of Jesus and you, and you aren't reading, I would encourage you to do that because there are so many benefits that come uh, from, from reading other people's uh, thoughts and ideas. Even if they don't always line up with your own, it's good to read those and to know uh, uh, certain things that maybe you haven't learned before. Third, the third category that Wesley shares with us is his general means of grace. And these are practices that Wesley believes maintains and fosters our relationship with God. These include watching, denying ourselves, taking up the cross daily, and exercising the presence of God. Um, Wesley would also say that, that these, the, this whole list, these means of grace, this is not a complete work that's open and closed now. He figured it all out. These are the only things that you can do. Um, Wesley was, was not for legalism. And, uh, and he doesn't want us to get locked into these. These are, these are all great things to do. There are more that are not a part of this list. But when we participate in these things, when we do these things, um, it allows us to, to, again, to grow. Just like, just like we're, we're helping Trent right now and we put him down on the floor, we're trying to encourage him to keep his knees up. Because when he crawls, he doesn't really crawl with his legs. He crawls, he armory crawls, and he pulls himself around. So when we sit him down, we're, we're, we're encouraging to do that. These work that somewhat, in, in a very similar way. These things help us um, to realize um, what the Spirit's doing in our life. Sometimes we're going through situations and we don't quite understand why it worked out this way. Or, or we don't understand, maybe we see that we, we kind of feel that God's up to something, but we really don't know what. When we participate in these means of grace, that gives the Spirit the opportunity to kind of open our eyes and to share those with us and to let us know uh, what, what God is doing, what God is up to in our life. As we wrap up this morning, I, I want to focus on just a few of these means of grace that, that we just talked about. Um, and obviously, the very, very first two that we mentioned, uh, mentioned prayer and searching the scriptures, are, are vital to our spiritual growth. Uh, prayer uh, is a conversation with God. When you're, when you're dating somebody, or you're getting to know a friend, or you, you, uh, you, you've made a, a new acquaintance, and you, and you want to put in the time and the effort to get to know them better, what better way to do that than to have a conversation with them and to talk to them? And uh, if you've noticed, if you've had a good friend, um, 
maybe you've just because of schedules or different things and you've gone a long time without talking to them, that, that first conversation back is always, you know, it's either catching up or it's a, sometimes it's even a little awkward because you feel like you should have talked to them and you didn't. Um, uh, we we kind of run into that with God, and we go through the through periods of our, our life where we, we we our prayer life is struggling. It's either you, you get through a day and you realize, man, I never prayed once, or you get through you get through a few weeks and you're like, really, I don't remember ever doing anything other than praying for my food, and 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 I've I've been there and I've I've had those moments, and and those are the times where I feel disconnected from God. When I when my prayer life struggles, my spiritual life struggles, and. Um, Having, having a strong prayer life, that was something that was very uh, important uh, to John Wesley. It's why it's the first thing on his list. And, and he, was a, he was a big uh, proponent of, of 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which is pray without ceasing. It's difficult to grow your relationship with God if you don't talk to him. And then also part of prayer not only is talking to God, but it's also listening. Are you taking the time to be quiet? Are you taking the time to listen to God? Again, this is, this is where the waiting part is a good thing. When we, when we come in and we, 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 we open up and we share with God about what's going on in our life, maybe our frustrations, our, 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 our hurts, but also our praises and our thanksgivings, and then are you spending time after that just letting God speak to you, letting God direct your life, uh, taking some time maybe just to, I don't know, some, some, people, uh, some people do this while they drive, and that works for them. Um, I find that when I try to do this while I drive, it's not a good thing because I'll run stop signs and, and, and that's not a good thing. And, uh, but, but whatever works for you, wherever this, this happens best for you, um, I'm, I, I'm not a believer that there's a certain time and day, although it does work that way for some people. Um, but whenever you get a moment, take that time, talk to God, listen to God. And then uh, searching the scriptures. Like I've already said, this is, uh, I, I like the way that Wesley encourages this. Reading for transformation, not for information. Uh, we too often read the Bible like it's an instruction manual. And when was the last time you were transformed by reading a good instruction manual? Not very often, right? Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we read all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And, and, and doing good works is a part of growing spiritually, and we can't do those if we're not engaged with the Word. We can do good things, but when it's not connected with our spiritual life, it's not connected with our faith, we're going to miss so much of the meaning of what it is to help somebody and to love on somebody. Uh, and, then, and then the last thing that I wanted just to point out real quick, um, uh, again, is small groups. I just want to encourage you this morning. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about what it means to be a, a Christ follower and community next week, so I don't want to steal too much of that thunder, but I just want to encourage you. Um, the Christian life uh, is a struggle in and of itself, and it's a lot to take on on your own. And that's why it's so important to be a part of a small group, to be a part of a group of people who are, who are holding you accountable, who are praying and lifting you up, who are caring for you when you're sick, and giving you the opportunity to do all those things back to the other members of your group. Other people 
can help us grow in our spiritual life. The Holy Spirit can use other people to help us grow in our spiritual life. Uh, and, and I encourage you, if you're not a part of a small group today, find one. Um, and um, there are so many things in, in today's uh, culture, today's day and age. Technology has made it a little bit easier to stay connected with people for the good or the bad. Uh, we, we stay better connected with, with people. Uh, and we can use those things. Um, I, I'm sure if you have a smart device, hopefully you've found out that there's a Bible app on there that you can pull up and, and, and read Scripture and be a part of different things. Um, there's, I'm going to brag on him, and I don't think he's in here right now, but uh, Jonah Bainfeld is a student that's in our youth group. And Jonah has been sending me periodic updates of how many, his daily streak of being on the Bible app. And just last week, I got a text message from him, and he hit 50. And he was really, 50 days in a row of him pulling that up and opening it. Um, and and that, that helps him, not only, not only is it helping him being engaged with the Word, that's also kind of uh, using somebody else for accountability and, and inviting somebody else to just speak into his life. So I encourage you, find different avenues. Um, use different things that uh, can help you grow spiritually. And like Wesley said, it's not tied to just one list. These are all things that are, are, are very important and helpful, but there are other things out there that you can use, and we encourage you to do that. We are not meant to just receive um, grace and forgiveness and wait for heaven. We're called to grow in that grace and that knowledge. Being rooted in Christ makes it possible for me to grow and mature in Him spiritually. I encourage each and every one of you to do that. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for just uh, being a God who's, who's given us so many opportunities and so many different ways to get to know you. So often, for whatever reason, we feel like you're distant. We feel like you're far. We feel like it's, we've got to do all of these different things to grow close to you. Um, but if we really look and, we really, and we, we really just consider all the different ways and avenues we can get to know you, you put so many of those that, that you want us to know you more than, than uh, we want to know you. And so I, I just pray that you'd help each and every one of us find those different avenues, those ways that we can grow in your grace and your knowledge. Help, help none of us to just sit back and, and to wait for a day that's to come. Help us to grow in you today and this week. In your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.